Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, the Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, welcome into another winners edition of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. We got the win, the one I desperately wanted. I did win the bet, so cheers to that. But we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Day. So, before I even get going, right out of the box, watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Now, I was challenged to make this at least 47 minutes. Shout out to Jimmy Gallagher, JL Gallagher 3 on Twitter, because he's got a 47 minute drive. Because I was regretting not doing this University of North Carolina win sooner because the rankings for the college football playoff came out and I had to talk about that now that it's out I felt obligated to so had I done the the UNC recap sooner I could have somehow sprinkled the college football playoff in another time but that didn't happen so here we are but there's so much stuff that happened this weekend that was great and fantastic and awesome and it is highlighted by the fact that Notre Dame beat the insanely overrated North Carolina Tar Heels. It didn't go exactly as planned, at least how I thought it might go, but a win is a win is a win is a win. But man, the weekend. Let's see, uh, Michigan lost. Um, we all loved the crap out of that. They blew it. Not only did they lose, they blew a 16-point lead on the way to losing. So that was even more joyous. They had a 16-point lead, and then they lost. And that was phenomenal. But if you guys haven't figured out, <clears throat> I'm a Texas resident. <clears throat> a lot of UT fans down here. A lot of, a lot of hook'em horns. A lot of burnt orange. Um, they lost also. And they blew an 11-point lead. Um, as my our good friend Marty Coleman with the Sluggo podcast, um, second half Texas says hello. They're really good at the blowing the lead thing. So <clears throat> that's fun for me. Because they're I, I I can't figure out if Texas is back or not. I need somebody needs to tell me, is Texas back? I can't keep up. It's hard to tell if a five hundred team is in fact back or not. I feel like they're not, but I mean Sam Ellinger had a whole bit we're back to five hundred. So <clears throat> that was that was fun. Another thing I enjoyed was Iowa's offense. It, it was offensive. I mean, we, guys, we thought Notre Dame had problems. We thought Wisconsin looked bad. Who That's who Iowa was playing. 
this weekend. Um, uh, Beef, Marty, some of my friends I've made in the Clemson family, you thought your offense was bad. And it's not great. Notre Dame's offense isn't great. It's getting better. We'll discuss that. Clemson's offense isn't great. Wisconsin's offense isn't great. But Iowa, (laughs) Iowa, congrats. Good job, Iowa. You win the Our Offense is Worse Than Yours award. It's That was impressive. I don't know how, through two and a half quarters of football, as a team ranked ninth in the country, playing in a legitimate conference, accumulated 23 yards of total offense, but you did it. You did it. Wow. And the, the best part about that was it was negative seven on the rushing side. So, 23 yards of offense with negative seven rushing through like two and a half quarters of football. That's, I don't know what that is. It's not good. I, it's not good. <laughs> so, I, I found that hilarious. So, I mean, the this Saturday was just lining up for perfection. Michigan losing, Texas losing, Iowa just embarrassing themselves. Uh, and then on the in the same within the same state, and it it's not as bad as North Carolina, but the overhyped Iowa State Cyclones took another L. Shocking, just shocking. They they weren't good. They they did have a running back though. <clears throat> Maybe that's why I wasn't so hard on the Cyclones. Number one, we didn't play them, so who cares? They weren't on the schedule. We, we already beat them in the the Camping World Bowl. But whatever. Uh, that was funny. They're another overhyped team off of what based because the people like their coach and they had a quarterback and a running back. Again, reminder football is a team sport. You're not going to win it with two people or one person or a cool coach. It's, it's more than that. You, you got to have all those things plus, I don't know, some linemen, some <laughs> receivers. All that good stuff. So, the weekend was shaping up perfectly. All these things that I felt in the beginning of the season, like, I didn't think Michigan was that good. It looks like they might be good, but they blew a huge lead. I never thought Texas was good. They get ranked high for whatever reason, and they continue to blow leads and look silly. Iowa shooting up to number two seemed really weird. Um, I was like, they don't have an offense. I didn't. How can you rely on four turnovers a game? That's not that's not a formula for success. And it's not. Because if you don't get the four turnovers, you're not going to win. You can't count on that. You don't control that. And Iowa State and North Carolina are overrated, and they still are. But before I discuss the North Carolina and Notre Dame win, last night, the college football playoff committee decided to put out their initial rankings. And I mean, if you guys have seen them, which I'm sure you have, if you're on Twitter at all in any capacity, excuse me, uh, you've seen these rankings. Okay, they they don't make sense. Some things make sense, then some things don't make sense. Uh, You know, Alabama's number two. So I, I I understand that it's probably assumed if Alabama wins out, they will end up 
as number two or one because if they completely went out, they would have beaten Georgia in the SEC championship game. But to put them already at number two, I feel like you're kind of putting the cart in front of the horse just a wee bit, huh? It, it was the thought process, well, this is how it's going to be, so let's just let's just start at the finish line. We'll just start there. But the other thing it does is, as Alabama continues to win, and should teams behind them, like Michigan State, or I'm trying to look for another undefeated. That's kind of key. I'd say Cincinnati, but we'll discuss that. But we can't really count them. Uh, Oklahoma, Wake Forest, but... It's really Michigan State. But Alabama being a two almost sets it up to where if they lose to Georgia, specifically Georgia, not before, but to Georgia in the SEC championship game, it's almost set up to where if something happens behind them, you could justify it by stating that, well, they were number two, and while... A, B, and C happen, we can't drop Alabama past four because of what happened to teams that were already behind them. I don't even know how to, I can't describe it because it doesn't make any sense as to why they're already number two. It really doesn't add up. Their loss is to what the committee called the number 14th team in the, the rankings. Number two lost number 14. So somehow that you're not, I don't know. I, because <laughs> we lost to the number six team, which is Cincinnati. And we're number 10. So I saw so many things that, and you can't really dispute. You can't dispute this statement. What I'm about to say, you can't dispute it. Alabama's losses don't count, they do not count. They can lose, and it's okay. It doesn't matter. You're, you've got what you think about Alabama, and regardless of what happens, that's it. See, it's funny. Alabama has to give them a reason to like not put them in the top four. Like, we're gonna put you in the top four unless you like. We have no choice. Whereas you look at. A team like, let's just say, just for argument's sake, Notre Dame. Notre Dame has to force the committee's hand and being like, damn it, we don't have a choice. We have to put them in. Whereas Alabama is like, we're going to put you in. You better give us 10 reasons to put you out. And it feels like they need 10 reasons. It's not, not a loss, not a singular loss. It doesn't even look like two losses will be in, uh, a question or an issue. They have to lose three, four games. I don't know. But Notre Dame is the complete and polar opposite of what Alabama is when it comes to the committee's respect. You could argue history says that's fair. Notre Dame hasn't proven anything in the playoff. Uh, Alabama has. But... College football, I've said this before, I don't believe I know if I've said it on this show, but college football has insane amount of turnover. Every year. Every year. Any position, you rarely, rarely are you bringing back all 22. 
Therefore, how can you use last year's success to project the next year's? You know, now I say that, you know, people like Cincinnati, they played Georgia really close in the bowl game. And I'm going to prop, I'm going to give Cincinnati their, their due and what, what they deserve. But at the same time, just because of what they did last year shouldn't automatically give them some sort of benefit going into the following year. But the same should be said for Alabama. I don't, so what they, what they've done. They lost a lot of players, and they haven't looked great. That's the other part of it. It wasn't like they dominated, 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 and then, oh, slipped up and lost in the last second field goal to A&M. They have not looked like the Alabama of old, but that doesn't mean anything. As long as you have a, a, a red helmet with a number on the side and a white stripe down the middle, you're good to go. And same as your coach. You know, so them at two makes no sense. But, you know, you look at other teams that I feel like are ranked appropriately, like Oklahoma, because they haven't done anything special. They've struggled. But they're undefeated and they're eight. And it's just literally Alabama's losses don't count. And again, Oklahoma hasn't looked great, but they have not lost. I feel like not losing matters. Call me crazy. I know it sounds, it's a wild, it's a wild thing, right? You don't lose, and that's good. I I would have never guessed. But losing is okay if your name is Alabama. And then I guess because Oregon and Ohio State played each other, uh, they have the same record, so they want to prop Ohio State up because it's Ohio State, and they love the Big Ten. I'll, I'll get there too. Big Ten, SEC, 13 of the 25 are either in the SEC or the Big Ten. That's impressive. I don't know how you get double teamed that hard by two conferences and still, you know, have your wits about you. Because that's I don't know, you know. Again, just like last week, Mac Brown, how he was preseason number seven with his team, he must have been doing some really special things. Well, the SEC and the Big Ten must be doing really some sending strippers or something, you know. Pardon the the language. Or the insinuation, but I don't know how you can justify putting so many, like half a conference, <laughs> half a conference is in the, the thing, like based on what, but then you're going to slight teams like UTSA and Coastal Carolina and SMU, Houston, but make sure we put in Mississippi State with three losses at number 17, not even like barely, like they're they're almost to the midway. They're closer to half the midway point than they are to the bottom. That's incredible. But it they, they have their agendas. So, like I was saying, OU is eight. I get it. But hold on. They're, they're undefeated. Then you look at Oregon and Ohio State. Well, they love Ohio State. And, well, we love Ohio State, but they lost to Oregon. So, I guess we got to put Oregon ahead of Ohio State. But we want Ohio State to be in the top six. We'll put them at five. Well, shit, then you got to put Oregon at four. But where does that leave Cincinnati? Well, that leaves Cincinnati at six. And my first thought when I saw Cincinnati at six, I said, well, that sucks. Not, not even This is not a Notre Dame perspective here, what I'm about to say. I was like, that, that sucks for Cincinnati. That absolutely sucks. That just entrenches and solidifies the idea that the group of five teams are playing for fun. 
They are literally playing this game for fun. They are not playing to win uh, championships on a national scale. They are not playing to be in national conversations. They are not playing to get into the playoff to be discussed, to get the fanfare that Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia and Clemson in the past, Notre Dame, have all Oklahoma have all achieved. They are not playing to get all that. They are playing the game for fun. They are playing for the love of the game. Because I don't know how you justify putting them at six. Now, what I could accept and handle and appreciate is if they started at, say, three. Maybe four, but three was kind of the spot I felt like. You, that's where you put Cincinnati. They've got a big win against what is... And here's another part of it. So they win at Notre Dame, okay? And they they get props for that. They do. You know, winning uh, at Notre Dame, you know, in South Bend, uh, as, as a team like Cincinnati, that's an impressive win. Look, they beat the number 10 team in the, in the playoff. That's an impressive win. Good job, Cincinnati. Well, Notre Dame, you're... You're really not good, you know. You want to really an impressive win, and da da da. It's it's amazing how they talk them up individually, in a way. Like they'll they'll give Notre Dame some credit, not a lot. They give Cincinnati some credit, and, and whatnot. But really, what's happening is they're they're simultaneously not giving Cincinnati credit for a big win, nor are they giving credit to Notre Dame for a quality loss. I don't understand how you can rank. Forget where they should be. They're six and ten, and neither of them are getting credit for those game that game. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Oregon and Ohio State are getting Oregon's getting credit for beating Ohio State, and who cares if you lost to Stanford? No biggie. And Ohio State is getting credit for having lost to Oregon. And Michigan's getting credit for having lost to Michigan State. But Notre Dame doesn't get credit for losing to Cincinnati. And Cincinnati doesn't get any credit for beating Notre Dame. <laughs> it's, a we- it's a weird thing, right? It makes no goddamn sense. It's it's literally whatever they say. It doesn't. I don't care who speaks. I don't care if it's the chairman, if it's <laughs> any of the committee members. Just respond with the Ron Burgundy gif. I don't believe you. That's... Whatever they say, as soon as they're done, just point at them and go, I don't believe you. Because I don't believe you. It doesn't make sense. Cincinnati should have been three. Let me go again. Keep up with the changes. I These rankings really frustrated me. And I said a lot of things about them. And I, <coughs> Jimmy, I apologize. I'm going to get to Notre Dame, USC. I will get there. USC. UNC. I will get there. But, again, I regretted not getting this out sooner, so i got to talk about these rankings. <coughs> Cincinnati should have been at three. Because then that would have told me that they had a chance. It would have told me they had a chance. Now, if teams behind them, who obviously have better wins ahead of them, potentially, pass them up, you kind of, yeah, man, like, that sucks, but you're right. Like, if... Oklahoma is running through beating Baylor and Oklahoma State and uh, who else they have it? I'm drawing a blank. There's another team they, they have to play. But 
they win those games, it's like, okay, well, those wins are better than Cincinnati's one win against Notre Dame. And then you look at Ohio State, who they would have to beat Michigan State and Michigan and so on. It's like, okay, well, I get it. Like, that's that's a better win than Cincinnati's one win versus Notre Dame. And you just go down the list of teams that are currently behind Cincinnati. Obviously, Ohio State's currently in front of them, but currently behind Cincinnati. And even Michigan, they got one loss, but if they beat Ohio State, uh, it's, you can make sense of it if at the end Cincinnati doesn't quite get in the Final Four. Would it, would it be justified or fair? I don't know. But we were you weren't even given the opportunity to make that decision. The committee decided already, listen, we don't care. You were never getting in. We're not, we're, they're, they're literally assuming that, again, like I said, Alabama at two is like, we're just going to put you at the finish line. You don't even have to run the race. Just go to the end and wait there for everything else to happen. And they did it with Cincinnati. Like, listen, you're probably going to end up at six. All the teams behind you, if we put you at three, have more quality wins and better wins than your one win over Notre Dame. So we're just going to put you at six now and save the trouble. Cool? No, not cool. You're, you've literally relegated a group of five teams to playing for fun. And then you didn't even rank teams that deserve to be ranked, but yet you're going to put the freaking SEC and Big Ten all over the damn 25, top 25 for what reason? I don't know. It's it, it's it's a joke. The whole, it's, it's hand-picked. It's, I don't care for it. Expansion needs to happen. And honestly, at this point, Watching this, like literally watching them place the teams effectively where it could end versus where it should be and currently is and using uh, history to to justify the rankings and not what's happening now. Um, screw a committee. Screw people with brains because they're not using them. Go to computers. Make the, make do the 8, 10, 12 team playoff. No more than 12. I don't care what the number is, but at least 8. Between 8 and 12. Just go to computers. Screw it. They Computers don't have the ability to decipher things like, well, Alabama's really good. Who cares if they lost? Guess what? A computer would care because there's an algorithm that accounts for losses. Actual losing of football games. Not just like, well, I know they lost, but like, let's be real, it's Alabama. I don't... That doesn't make any sense to me. And we really like Ohio State, but they lost to Oregon. And if we want to put Ohio State at five, we kind of have to put Oregon in front of them. Like, I wish we could just put Oregon at three, or uh, Ohio State at three right now, but that's a little silly. Like, they, they have to justify their silliness, which, again, whatever you say uh, or I read about, you know, if you're on my TV screen, you're saying it effectively to my face. I don't believe you because I, there's nothing you can say <clears throat> that makes me believe any of these rankings are legitimately justified other than that's just what we think and feel and I don't care what's actually happened on the field. I, I mean, <clears throat> that's all I, I don't have any other ways to describe it. <clears throat> so that's where the college football playoff rankings sit and Notre Dame at 10 Feels fair. Let's be honest, guys. It feels fair. And I was okay with it for this reason. 
<clears throat> I felt like we could have been eight, like where we are in the AP, you know, as high as eight. But eight or ten, eh, I don't know. But you look like in front of us is Wake, OU, Michigan, Ohio State. Wake still has some games ahead of them. Are they that good? I don't know. But tell you what, if they go undefeated, they deserve to be in front of us. We we were in the same ACC. And why? Just because they're Wake and we're Notre Dame or look at Clemson? ACC isn't tough. and But the fact of the matter is we went undefeated in the ACC and we were in. Clemson goes undefeated in the ACC and wins. I understand that Notre Dame and Clemson in the years they've made it are probably better than this Wake Forest team. But the fact of the matter is they are undefeated in a Power 5 conference and they're in front of us. Okay. OU. They're not an O. Who the hell knows? They've got some tough games. It wouldn't be shocking if they lost and in the minute they lose, they're done. Like, there's no way. The Big 12 is is not that good. Just like the ACC is not that good. So if Wake loses, they're done. And so if... OU loses, they're out. Michigan still has to lose to Ohio State, so you know put that on the docket. So they're done. Then Cincinnati, I yeah they haven't looked perfect, but they keep winning. They do have SMU, who is seven and one at this point, and they will likely play Houston in the conference championship game, who's also seven and one at this point. They have opportunities to lose potentially. Um, Oregon, I don't know. They lost to Stanford. Who knows what could happen there? I just there's. There's ways for Notre Dame to move up, but before I move on from this whole topic, I don't know that we are a college football playoff team this year. I, How would I feel about kind of backdooring our way into the top four just because we're hoping and praying and teams lose? Like I, We don't control our own destiny, as I guess is my own point. If we keep winning and go 11-1, and one, that doesn't mean anything like we could literally move up two spots just and that's it because of what happens in front of us we don't control our own destiny and with that in mind that makes me feel like we aren't a college football playoff team this year and truthfully look at the top four um i like our chances against michigan state or oregon ohio state <clears throat> i don't know I don't know, our defense, that's a that's a fifth team. I understand it's not top four, but just looking ahead in front of us, I like our chances against most of these teams outside of Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. And with that in mind, should those be the one, two, three, and then Notre Dame's the four, it's going to be the same story. Look, Notre Dame got in and got blown out. And this year, I don't have the confidence I did in 2018 and 2020, and we still got blown out. I had confidence at that point. So maybe a New Year's Six game isn't the worst thing in the world. Maybe not playing football in 2022 until August, September, is in the best interest of this football team to get a New Year's Six win in December and you know celebrate that and use that to move into next season. So, But the initial rankings really set a baseline and set the stage for... Uh, where everybody will move around to. And it's unfortunate that Cincinnati already got put at six and they already put Alabama at two. And that just, it's all, it's all for fun for the G five. And 
they they jump they they wanted to start from the finish line, apparently. So, all right, I got that out of the way. <laughs> Twenty minutes of of college football playoff and college football stuff. So let's get into the game that I couldn't wait for all season. All right, we're gonna start talking about our offense. That's where we're gonna start because our offense is getting better each week. Each week is getting better, and I love it. I'm a huge fan of how our offense is looking. I I mean. 523 yards of total offense, 44 points, 293 yards rushing, 7 yards a carry. I mean, what what more could you ask for? Well, for starters, um, when you get the ball down inside the 5-yard line, don't settle for field goals. We should have put 50 points on, on North Carolina. The game should not have ended in a 10-point game. It should not have been as close as it was. Um, the, fe- the defense has part to do with that, and we'll talk about that too. But I, I mean, our and you, North Carolina's defense isn't good. I said that. I said that prior to the the game. My preview. I said North Carolina's defense wasn't good. Very similar to USC's defense. And we could have put up more points against USC, and then we did it against I. Like all of that stuff worked out exactly as I said it would. I just can't stand and understand the. The way we use the quarterbacks, okay? I don't mind. I don't mind Buckner and Cohn getting playing time. That's not an issue for me. I'm fine with it. And when Cohn is in there, up, temp- up tempo is the way to go. Fantastic. Because the minute we try to do a traditional, or I say traditional, but like, you know, huddle up, take your time, Slow developing pass plays. Oh, sack. There you go. Combs only sacked one time. And it was one of the only plays that was what we'd been seeing prior to the up-tempo change during the bye week. It was the slow developing, like, Cone can't move like that. And we'll discuss how I I always say, Cone can't move like that. And then he does move like that. And you're like, what the hell did I just watch? But he get, there was one drive where we ran two running plays. <clears throat> then a slow developing pass play and he sacked. It's like, well, I could have told you that. Like, was that was that one of your bingo spaces, Tommy Reese? Like, hey, up tempo, up tempo, up tempo. Oh wait, hold on. I I got if I got under B. I've got slow developing run play for or pa- slow developing pass play for a sack. I need to get my bingo space checked. Okay, got it. Next. I just I don't understand why we do the things we do and with the quarterback situation. <sighs> There's got to be a reason. There's got to be a chart. There's. I don't know what it is. I'd love to know what it is. But why do we see Buckner when we see him? And why do he, he come out when he comes out and Cone goes in? Like, there's no define. Maybe that's to fool the defense, too, because I'm sure the defensive coordinator, who, by the way, for North Carolina, his name was Jay Bateman. Like, his name is Jason Bateman. Like, is, is that happening right now? Like I, I couldn't get enough of that. When Notre Dame started really rolling and putting up points, I just couldn't wait to fire off some Jason Bateman gifts, because he's a, he's a funny man. It's bold strategy, Con. See, it's gonna pay off for him, because that was their defense. Bold strategy didn't work out, but um, it 
it, are we trying to defuse, defuse? Are we trying to confuse the other team too? Like, oh, Buckner's in. Why? I I don't know either. It's confusing. But it it really because there's uh, too many times. Sometimes it, it's fine. It's seamless. He comes in. He comes out. Whatever. And we really don't miss much. But then there's times where it's like, okay, we were rolling. Like, again, was there was there a bingo space that said, please stop your offense from rolling, but let's put a little speed bump in the middle here. You just put him out there for like a play. It does nothing. Okay, off the field now. I, I don't, I don't get it. That's the part I don't get. It just. It continues to look better. We continue to do things that are great. You know, uh, Buckner, uh, strong run. He threw another stiff arm. Um, But then we just take him out. I don't get it. Um, But you, the, uh, was it the first? I think it was the first touchdown we had. It was to uh, Avery Davis. Maybe that got the scoring on the going for us. No correction. I I, I take that back. Yeah, well, no, it was Avery Davis. Yeah, um, we got the QB draw from Cone, which was shocking. Like I said, he can't move, and then he moves. You're like, what is happening? In fact, on his touchdown run, which I'll get to. Uh, like, the QB draw threw me off. I'm like, whoa, like that was designed. Holy shit, look at it go. And then his touchdown run, I was yelling at the TV. I'm like, no way, no way, no way, no way this is happening. And my kids came running out like, what happened, Dad, what happened, Dad? I'm like, Jack Cole ran the ball. Like They looked at me like, that's it? I'm like, yeah, the quarterback ran the ball. And then my, my son was like, doesn't the quarterback run the ball a lot? I'm like, not ours. Like, no, not number 17. Like, I I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. But come with the QB draw, then they bring in Buckner. And one of the best plays I have seen. Amazing design. Tommy Reese found the right bingo space for, for this play. A little RPO. Fake the handoff, and then immediately flip around. And Avery Davis is just hanging out all by himself, just... Pitch and catch, walk in the end zone. That is, it's again, it's not that difficult, guy. We don't have to be like wizards. That is not a difficult thing to do. All you need your quarterback to do is be able to flip his hips. That's it. It's a basic, it's an RPO, but it's a fake handoff or give. But in this case, fake handoff, effectively, play action type of thing. But flips his hips and... Because everybody's looking at Buckner and the running back. You have to account for both of them. So eyeballs are there. If it was just, if it was Cone, despite the touchdown run and the QB draw, you're still not looking at him to pull it and take off running. So you only have one threat. You, only, you need less eyeballs with that one threat, and then you start looking at the receivers. Well, with Buckner... You have to have more eyeballs on well, what's going to happen. Is he going to give it? Is he going to take it? Run it left, right? I don't know. Boom, quick flip of the hips. Pitches right out to Davis. Walk-in touchdown. I don't know why we don't do more of that with Buckner in the game, especially at the goal line. That's going to be a theme. In my assessment, 
Why is Buckner not in in goal-to-go situations? It just it makes too much sense to me. Now, you could argue, well, the defense is going to know that's coming. But even so, I, are we that unconfident? Is that even... <laughs> Do we lack that much confidence in our offense with more weapons and more possibilities? We we don't have confidence that they can get it done with all of that. We we'd rather have Jack Cohn, who limits what we can do. Because I I mean I know you guys know we had Ian Book for how many years? How many touchdowns did he score or plays did he make by simply running? Not because of a design, but just he had the ability to do that. Tyler Buckner, also wearing jersey number twelve, has the ability to do that. Jack Cohn wearing jersey number 17. While, again, despite what he did against North Carolina, I don't have that same thought. When he drops back, my thought isn't, well, if it breaks down, at least we'll get some positive yards. That's not my thought at all. My thought is, okay, three seconds have gone by and he hasn't thrown the ball. We're screwed. That's that's my thought. And... When your goal to go, the field gets smaller. You're, you're not gonna if the receivers don't get open immediately, they're not getting open because now there's no more field for them to get open to. They can't run deep or whatever. the field is shrunk. So why not put someone who has a secondary skill set to make something happen outside of the initial design of the play? I. I don't understand it, but there, there's obviously a reason. There's obviously something that Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly see that causes them to put Buckner in when they do and Cone when they do and whatever. I just can't get there. I, I, I don't get it. You know, but we... We made it work. Here's the thing. I'm complaining, right? I'm, I'm complaining about this, 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 and this about the offense. We had a 523 yards of offense of 44 points, and it should have been more. That's crazy. That's a good place to be, right? I think that's a good place to be. But something else that keeps happening with our team, and I don't – it's it, it's hurt us, but it, it could be backbreaking in, in the wrong situation. But drops, man. Like Lorenzo Styles, fantastic game. That am I glad I got a number twenty-one jersey? I tell you what, I am very happy. I have a number twenty-one jersey because Lorenzo Styles. That's my number. I know it's the year twenty-one. That's why it's out. But Styles twenty-one, he dude's a stud, man. He's he's ready to rock and roll. He was the leading receiver again, just like last week. He didn't have his the most catches. But he had the most yards. And a little screen pass. Again, so simple. We gained 40 yards and the quarterback threw it like 15 total. Not, maybe, not, maybe not even 15. It might have been. But it was just get the ball, immediately, boom, right out to Styles, one block, 40 yards. The, the kid's a playmaker. However, when you get open deep, this is two-part. When you get open deep, Jack Cone, throw the ball in front of your receiver. I feel like that should have been a walk-in touchdown. 
And uh, also, though, Lorenzo Styles, you still got to make that catch. I know it wasn't the most perfect of passes, but you nobody got their hand on it. You jumped. You were the only one in the air. Perfectly. Everything you did outside to drop the ball was right. You slow down. You jump. You got to catch that ball. And Austin, I, I guess you got I don't know how to fix it, but maybe throw the ball early. Just, hey, get the drop it. Get your drop out of the way. Just drop it. Because he has won a game. Then the shocker was Avery Davis. Avery Davis had to drop this game. We we got to figure out the drops, guys. Like, that we're, we're not helping ourselves. We've had offensive deficiencies throughout the season. Dropping very, very catchable balls is not going to help the situation. So, Let's fix that. So, you know. Uh, but I, and Logan Diggs, man. Logan Diggs. Now, I'm, I know you guys are probably thinking, well, I haven't mentioned somebody yet. And I'm going to get there. But, you know, Logan Diggs comes in. 11 carries, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Like, I, our future is so bright. Because I just spent the last... I don't know how many minutes talking about two freshmen. True freshmen. True freshmen. You know, and I, I didn't even really mention Mayer, uh, but he's just kind of there, man. He For some reason, he starts off hot, and then they kind of go away from him. I don't know if it's the defensive scheme, uh, what it is exactly, but, you know... I, I think you just get Mayer involved any way you can. It really helps open things up. So, but the guy we all are infatuated with at this point, and how can you not be? Uh, he's now, like, my favorite running back in Notre Dame history was uh, Autry Denson. I loved watching the guy play. I don't know if it's because I was a kid. I, I don't know. I, I just, something about Autry Denson I thought was awesome. And fast forward how many years? 30 years? Almost 30 years? 25? Number 23 in our backfield is now my just Kyron Williams is, a, is amazing. He is such a badass. Like, our first drive. Like, I, I wrote down, Kyron Williams is good. <laughs> and then it got better. It got so much better. I mean, between the punt return... Just catching the ball to the backfield, making people miss. He just he just <clears throat> does things that you're just you you don't think it's going somewhere and it does. He's strong, he's powerful, he's elusive. You know, and like just you he's like Mayor, just get him the ball somehow, some way. Be creative about it. You don't have to be like doesn't have again. Doesn't have to be rocket science, but find a way to get him the ball and watch it happen. But then he goes down, and I don't know what you guys are thinking when Kyron went down on the sidelines. But I was freaking the fuck out just because of the way it looked. It looked like his right leg got just obliterated. It looked like they completely rolled up from his ankle to his knee, and I was like, okay, ankle, knee, this. Something from the knee down was badly hurt, or at minimum, he, he's 
out for this game or whatever. And wouldn't you know it, the guy is indestructible. Not only is he awesome and elusive and a stiff-arm champion, he's indestructible. He comes back, and it was, like, I, it was amazing. He comes back, and you're like, okay, Kyron's in the game. Like, is, is he good? And then 91 yards later, you're like, okay, he's, he's not good. He's fucking amazing. Because we ran for 293 yards and 7 yards a carry. But that particular play, the offensive line should get zero credit. I hate to say that, but they should get zero credit for what happened. Because the play design was to the right. And, well, Wright wasn't there. Like, Wright was a lot of white and Carolina blue helmets waiting for you. And he changes direction, comes around, and just the stiff arm from hell to this DN, number 12, as Kyron referred to him. I love he didn't even say his name. He was like, I knew I was going to score when I stiff arm number 12. And then just boom, up the sidelines. And gone. Now... I was like, how fast is he running? But he was being chased by a linebacker. I'm like, he's fast. And then out of nowhere comes Avery Davis. And you're like, okay, Kyron's not running that fast. Unless Avery Davis is running like a, a 4.040. But Avery Davis comes flying up and cuts off the linebacker and lets Kyron just walk into the end zone. Michael Mayer had a huge block. But Kyron is just a, I don't know. Like I, We're going to miss him. We are going to miss the crap out of that guy. He's It was something ridiculous. Of He had 199 yards rushing on the game. And I think it was something absurd, like 160-something of it was after contact. Like, just an absurd number. And I realize 91 of it was after contact on one singular play. But what about the other 108 yards? Like, he does so much after contact. You know, and then some people were saying, you know, talking about the offensive line, and we ran for two ninety three. Yeah, but ninety one of it was from one play. Well, if you still take out the ninety one yard play, we still ran for two hundred two yards and four point nine yards per carry. Considering we were averaging like eighty two yards a game rushing, I think I'll take the two hundred two and the four point nine, even without the ninety one yard run from Kyron Williams, which was amazing. So, but he's doing everything. He's so. Freaking tough. Punt returns. Catching the ball. Because, mind you, not only did he uh, run 22 times for 199 yards, he also had a couple catches for 15 yards. That's kind of low. Usually he ends up with like three or four catches a game. I know he was targeted, or was supposed to be targeted another time, and Cohen kind of ate the screen pass, which I didn't agree with. Just a couple steps back and floated over. There was nobody there. Kyron catches it. It's a huge play. But whatever. But there's so many good things to like about the offense, guys. Styles stepping up after Lindsey went down, and Lindsey's down again. I hate that. But the fact of the matter is, he is down. Styles stepped up. Styles probably looks better than Lindsey. Like, let's be real. Like, I like Lindsey. I've always been a fan. In fact, he was 25 when he started. Now we, the Agent Zero thing. All that was cool. He's a good guy. But 
and Styles has come on. So with all the injuries we've had at the receiver position, we still need Lindsey, but you're not getting Styles off the field anymore, in my opinion. That's what we need to do. But, you know, just everything. Buckner had a touchdown pass. Cohen had a touchdown pass. Cohen ran for a touchdown. Kyron Williams is amazing. Uh, he's looked really good. Uh, you know, despite the a few drops, Davis and Austin both caught touchdown passes. So, like, I can complain a little bit. But if we're putting up 520 yards and 44 points a game, it, it's really hard to be too upset. Again, the teams we're playing now don't have the best defenses, but that's going to continue as the season progresses. You know, uh, Navy and Virginia and Georgia Tech and Stanford, they they don't have the best defenses either. So, I just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Go 11-1. and one. However, our offense can do all of these great, wonderful, and grand things. But if our defense sucks, what does it matter? And Jimmy, by the way, I got your 47 minutes covered. You're welcome. And we ain't even done yet. <laughs> My bad. Um, but, dude, if if our offense is doing this, like, where's the defense now? Like, what happened? What happened? I know last week was kind of, yeah, we only gave 16 points, but it didn't feel like it because there were too many plays that had possibilities of being big plays, and we just gave Drake London his. and just It didn't feel great, even though we only gave him 16 points. Well, guess what? This week it all crashed and burned on us. We gave up 554 yards of offense, 341 yards passing, 213 yards rushing, which that was something I did not expect. I thought for sure. I said it. We've played teams that can run the ball, and we've stopped them. Okay. But my caveat was we have to, like, you can't give them the run. And we did. We did. We just let them have it. I literally wrote down Sam Howell getting too many free runs. Like, it was like we were looking for the pass, so we drop all this in coverage, only rush a few, and I told you he could run. I said he should be the leading rusher. And, well, guess what? For the game, guess who was their leading rusher? Sam Howell. Shocker. But he he's, should be the leading rusher on the season, but he's taking too many sacks. Which, by the way, we only got to him three times, which, <clears throat> it's, I, I'm mad about it. Because it should have been like seven, but apparently he's extremely elusive. I didn't know, know that. But at the same time, while we did get to him and he got it out, we also just gave him a bunch of yards. In fact, the 31-yard touchdown run he had, we just gave that to him. I forget who. I, I think it was Lewis. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to name somebody and be wrong. It was a single digit, so it could have been Hart or Lewis or Griffith or Brown. I don't know, but the. Their effort to tackle Howell on that 31-yard touchdown run left a lot to be desired. They they basically stopped. They were coming out of it and just stopped. And tackling is an issue, very much so. Tackling optional. I think they should they should have a class when you play tackle football. Tackling is required. 
it's it is a, it's a requirement for the sport. You can't really, eh, I'm not going to tackle today. That's no, that's not a choice. That's not an option. And we made tackling optional. And that's another frustrating part is because you want to get on the defense, rightfully so, but at the same time, do you get on the players or the coach? Some of it, it's a little bit of both. Like, it again, is I feel like the Florida State stuff. They were in position to make these plays. They just didn't. Is that the coach's fault? Like, hey, I put you in position. you got to do your part now. I can't also tackle the guy. I can put you and call the right plays to put you where you need to be. You need to make the play. But at the same time, when you're playing your linebackers seven yards off the ball, don't be shocked when they start running the ball because, by the way, they ran for 199 yards a game coming in. It's not like we're going to let them run because I don't think they can. Well, they can and they did. I just I don't understand some of the mentality of our defensive assignments and it, it, it I almost said adjustments. <laughs> I almost said our defensive adjustments. <laughs> it's funny because we don't have any. Oh man, out of the half, like zero zero adjustments. We don't adjust, and I don't want to like. I, I, I don't want to go off, but like, how in the world do you let them run all over you and do this and do that and um, give up big plays despite that the fact that Therese Bracey got picked? I get it. He was picked. That should have been a flag. I get it. But the fact of the matter is you saw it happen. You saw what the result was. And the guy juggled the ball like he was in the uh, Barnum and Bailey fucking circus and still caught the ball. That's how much, that's how open he was. He had a chance to do some juggling act and still catch the fucking football. But I get it. Bracey got picked. Shit happens. They didn't see it. Eh, whatever. Howell's running all over you. So what do you do out of the half? Nothing. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, you saw what the problem was. You saw what they were doing. You saw what potentially the faults were. You saw what could lose us the game. And your resolution was, we good. What? It was a four-point game out of the half. And then it wasn't. I'd say we were winning by four. And then within a minute and a half, we were losing by three. Because our adjustment was... To let them do what they were doing, but a little bit faster. Like we're gonna we're gonna make it easier for you. I I don't understand. And we, we were blessed. North Carolina gave us a gift. They got a first down, but then they did it because it got overturned. And I thought, okay, great. The, their offense is rolling. They're going for this. There's no way. I realized they were on their own side of the the fifty. They were in their own territory, but. The way they were running the ball, I was shocked they punted. In fact, the ball was in the air from the punt. I'm like, I, they, I like for a second, I'm like, did they really punt, though? Because I didn't think they would do it. It felt, fast forward, it felt like Navy. Like, if Navy has a fourth and one, heads up, they're going for it. Because they've got multiple options to get a yard. The quarterback keep, inside handoff, trap. Option, whatever, pitch. I don't know if North Carolina doesn't have all those things, but they had a quarterback that we couldn't tackle. 
for whatever reason, despite the fact that he's not Vince Young or Cam Newton or Michael Vick. <laughs> we couldn't tackle the guy. But we decided to not change a damn thing and just, ah, we're going to stick our foot in the ground and we're going to do the same thing and hope it changes. Heads up, Marcus Freeman. It shit didn't change. If you didn't see. So that's, I have an issue with that. I have an issue with that. Like, you have to adjust. Maybe we've been spoiled with what Clark Lee is able to do out of half times. Because that was one thing I I keep saying it. I mean, last year, last year against the same team. Well, not the same team because they didn't have their two NFL running backs and two NFL wide receivers this year. <clears throat> but they put up points in the first half. They got nothing in the second half because Clark Lee adjusted to what was hurting us. And Marcus Freeman just, I don't know, I don't get it. Just doesn't do it. It's frustrating. You know, defense is, is just wasn't good in the second half. And then we get a roughing the passer, which I guess you got to call because you hit him in the head. But, man, like, it should have been a sack. That's the frustrating part. If we just sack the damn guy... It's not a never roughing the passer because it's a sack. But he gets out of it, and then we rough him. Aye. So, you know, <clears throat> we're losing. Like, it's not great. Like, this is... At this point, I'm sweating my ever-loving ass off. Like, no... There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's 31-27, and I am freaking out. Because we finally get a two-score lead. Then we let them go right down the field like it's nothing. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, I, I'm i sitting here going, I can't lose this bet. Like, I can't eat crow. We cannot lose North Carolina. Like, none of this. And I'm, then, then the Kyron Williams, hap- Williams. Williams play happens. And, like, I was like, okay. That's the turning point. That's the turning point. We needed this. And then what happens? Boom. Pick. Just like that. Just like that. DJ Brown, which I don't know if it was a bad route by Downs, a misread by Howell. I could care less. It was the first play out of a 91-yard run. DJ Brown gets the pick. Now we have the ball. Uh, goal to go. Where, where, where did we take over? Let me see here. To the Carolina 17-yard line, and we got a field goal. Because, I don't know. We didn't bring in Buckner. We didn't do any... Our our drive was... I don't... It was weird. I don't understand it. You know, and to make it worse, though, the first play was Avery Davis. Beautiful little play. Down to the five. And then... Running up our own ass, running up our own ass, running up our own ass. Field goal. Like the again, the offensive line is not that good. We we got to do a, a something to put points on the board. Like why are we limiting our own self? I don't get. But defense comes up huge with the pick. So then I'm sitting here like, like okay, all right, here we go. You know we're up forty-one twenty-seven. We got a 14-point lead. Like, we should be good. And then what happened? North Carolina straight down the field like it's nothing. 
Please. Please tackle the man. That was the, I believe that was the 31. Yeah, it was the 31 yarder. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, why? Why are we just letting them go down the field? It's like, it felt very like prevent defense. That's not going to work against a team like North Carolina. It's just not. But then we get the ball back, take up a ton of time, which is great. And but again, you know, we get all the way down there, and no Tyler Buckner, no touchdown, no end up with a field goal. But I I. I'm watching this game like we're up 10. The line is three and a half. We can't give up a touchdown. Like, I, I now at this point, I, I've, it, we're going to win the game. Like, I really felt that. I, this, so there's a minute 37 left, right? And I'm like, okay, we're going to win this game. But are we going to win it by 10? Are we going to win it by seven? Are we going to win it by three? Because three would not be good. I just, and especially with the way the defense was giving up yards, like it was no big deal. I'm sweating my ass off to win this bet. I finally put my money where my mouth is, and this is why I don't. This exactly is why I don't, guys. Because if I didn't have the bet on the line, which it wasn't a huge bet. It was, but it was significant money to me. But... This is the reason I don't bet on Notre Dame. I, I have enough stress worrying about if they're going to win by a one, let alone covering a three-and-a-half-point spread. But this game was different for me. I'd been on it for so long. I've been t- I talked so much shit. I had to step up and put my money where my mouth is, and I did. And now, guess what? I have to sweat the last fucking drive for no reason. For no reason, really. We were going to win. Like I had, ex- I'm like, okay, we're going to win. But it's not comfortable for me. I can't even be comfortable because I decided I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet this one because, you know, and <laughs> finally the defense steps up. But it wasn't even – they didn't step up in the best of ways. We stood, They still went right down the field and just – thank goodness they got – the pass was caught in the field of play, tackled, game over. I can get my heart rate down. Win the bet, beat North Carolina, those overrated fucks. We won, and I did another Irish car bomb because it was well worth it. Two Irish car bombs, go figure. I don't, I normally don't do that. I'm, I'm usually a pregame. Let's get the juices flowing and roll. But that that one absolutely had a celebratory car bomb at the end of it. It was a wild ride. It was a wild week. It was, I again. I I haven't really put much on Twitter regarding this upcoming opponent, Navy. I just I've been looking forward to North Carolina for so so long, and it was so sweet, so sweet to get that win. I had a lot of quote tweeting to do for all these idiots that thought North Carolina got better. By the way, they could very well go five and seven, like officially. They're four and four. And I don't. I think they go. I say five and seven, but I bet they go like six and six. 
I mean, let's be, their, their next game is Wake Forest. They couldn't st- – Notre Dame's offense looked good now, okay? We look better. Everything's great. We're on the track to 11-1. and one, But they're, well, North Carolina's about to play Wake Forest, okay? Wake Forest is going to put it on them. In fact, I, I'm not trying to turn this into a North Carolina podcast, but, like, North, uh, where's it at here? Wake Forest averages almost four, 495 yards. So almost 500 yards of offense per game. Uh, it's going to be a shootout because Wake Forest's defense isn't great either. But North Carolina's got Wake, probably a loss. Then they got Pittsburgh. Tough to say, tough to say, but that could very well be a loss. Then they get Wofford. Well, that's a win, right? That's a win. And then they play NC State to finish the season. So I guess the Pittsburgh or North Carolina State game, they win, lose one, win one, lose one. They're a six and six team. Preseason number seven, huh? <laughs> that was a fun win, but. We won. That's all that matters. And you can North Carolina raise up, take your shirt off, twist it around, and spin it like a helicopter all the way out of the stadium. Which, real quick, um, this was all over Twitter. North Carolina players were dancing the Irish jig. We're doing all kinds of just they were enjoying the light show to start the fourth quarter and like all right, it's, man, it was, they were pumped. Does anybody know what happened in the third play after after that little performance? No, it was, was the first play? Yeah, no, it was the third play, yeah. Because North Carolina had their, uh, I'm looking at it right now, third down play. Then they punted the third play after North Carolina took their shirts off and twisted it around, spinning like helicopters, was Kyron Williams' 91-yard touchdown run. <laughs> I, I wish I had known North Carolina players were just dancing all over our field while we're sitting here going, sweet, we're about to just ram it down your throat. But, oh man, that was so much fun. All right, so uh, go Irish. We beat the Tar Heels, and it was Amazing. Next up, we got Navy. Now, it's already Wednesday. I, I've got a busy week. I'm not going to be able to do a Navy preview. And to compound that, I've got baseball tournament all weekend with my coach pitch, Fighting Irish. I'm going to probably miss live watching the Navy game. So I'm putting it on here. And if you've hung in this long, thank you so much for listening to me speak for an hour. Uh, thank you. If you made it this far... On Saturday, my phone is probably going to be turned off or on Do Not Disturb or I'm going to turn off all of my notifications. Something of those in that nature. I don't – if I can't watch the game live, I don't follow it on my phone. It's not the same for me. I can't rewatch a game knowing the outcome. Unless I've watched it live, unless I've watched it happen in the moment and then I rewatch the replay for – just to kind of get a better feel for some things, which I do. Um, I can't watch it on my phone 
I can't follow it live on my phone. That doesn't work for me. That ruins the television angle of it for me. I I I can't. It's it will ruin my day. If I, I it's going to be really really tough because when things like this come up where I can't watch the game live, I make a point to not wear Notre Dame attire. Because I don't need some jackass, because it's happened, walk up to me going, hey, did you see the score of the game? Can you believe they won, or can you believe they lost? Like, that, (laughs) I don't like that. So, it's going to be really hard to have an entire team of kids wearing fighting Irish across their chest with a leprechaun on their hat. Me wearing a Notre Dame shirt with a leprechaun on my hat. And somebody not saying something when I'm going to be at a baseball field all day Saturday. It's going to be tough. But I'm going to figure out a way. And I'm going to put it on Twitter. Like, hey, Saturday, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do an Irish car bomb. I'm not going to be able to do the normal game day things. I got my own fighting Irish deal going on. It's our end of season tournament. It's a big deal. You know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I love coaching my boy and uh, the team I've got. We're a fun group. So, well, I, the, my Fighting Irish will be taking to the field between the chalk lines on the baseball diamond. Uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be taking on the midshipmen. And there's, there's not much to preview. You guys know what the deal is. You know what Navy is. It's triple option. They run the ball. They run the ball. They run it some more. If it's anything less than two yards, they're going for it. Expect it. Be ready for it. And assignment, assignment, assignment. The lack of tackling thing ain't going to cut it. Uh, the give them free yards it ain't going to cut it. They, they can burn you. I don't think they will. They're two and six. They're not great. But, you know, just go out. This is one of those games where... Just do your job. Don't take them lightly. Don't overlook them. But just go out. Do your job. You don't need flashiness. And just win the game. I will catch it that night. And I will still bring a recap every week. So I'll bring that to you next week. But uh, enjoy the game on Saturday. Um... Everybody, drink your Jameson, do your Irish car bombs, drink your Guinness. For me, because I won't be able to do it, because I'm, I might be wrong, but I don't think the parents would appreciate that if I like rolled up with a cooler, and I'm like, oh shit, look, it's two thirty, which is what time Notre Dame plays in my time zone. I'm like, oh hey, and then I, I start pouring out Irish car bomb things like that. That might. Get a, a sideways look, and maybe I'm not allowed to coach their kids anymore. <laughs> I don't think that would go over so well. So um, I will miss the Navy game. So and I, I won't be able to do a full preview. But again, Navy's two and six. We know what Navy is. There's no surprises. Just go out and do your job. Win the game. But thank you all for listening. Please go rate. My podcast, give me five stars, all that good stuff. I do appreciate it. I I do this for fun. There's no money involved, but I do want to get a following. We all, we're all having fun. You know, other podcasts are, we're, we're all kind of connecting. You know, uh, the Fighting Irish Faithful and, you know, Under the Dome with Ben and, you know, all these guys. We're, we're all on the same team. We're all having fun. 
So I appreciate the love. I really do. Find me on Twitter at five foot nothing pod. Feel free to shoot me an email. I, I love conversation, man. Whatever opinions you guys have, send them my way. I'll I'll respond. I'm I'm a conversationalist. Let's let's have a conversation. But you can email me five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. Thank you all. Hope you enjoyed it. Until next time. Five foot nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.